How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. So glad to see you all on this Sunday before Thanksgiving as we uh, give God honor and thanks and praise for who he is and, of course, everything that he has done. Um, we're excited to be here. And so I'm going to share with you um, what I think will be apropos both to our series and to the season that we are in. We are wrapping up a series entitled Living to a T today. Today we will wrap this series up. As we talked about stewardship, what it meant to be good stewards, good managers, good overseers, bottom line principle, our life does not belong to us. It belongs to the God who created us and then went and bought us. He has his signature by his hands. He has his placement by his blood. He, he owns all of this, and we have to manage it. It is our appreciation to him by how we manage our lives. And so we said when it comes to stewardship, there are six T's. Real quick, six T's. We said there was the tithe, how we handle our money, that we give our first 10% back unto God, our treasure, right? Our possessions, the remaining things that we have acquired or hold in our hands, our talents, our skills, our abilities, our spiritual gifts. We talked about time, how we have to manage our time. And then last week we talked about temple, meaning we have to take care of our body. Enjoy Thanksgiving, but don't have a Thanksgiving every week. Oh, bless his name. All right. So let's wrap it up with the last one today. I'm going to unpack a portion of Scripture in the gospel according to St. Mark. Mark chapter 7. Tap or turn. If you like to have it in your hands, you know it'll be on the screen. Good morning to everybody watching online. Hope you're sharing the stream. Hope you're engaged. All of the notes and Scriptures are on the Version Bible app. Come on, type in the chat. Let's get engaged. Here we go. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse number 31. It reads like this. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. <laughs> a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephata, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. I got to read that again. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was free so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd, don't tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. <laughs> he even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. 
Uh, I'm going to tag this text with a title that I used to hear my mom and grandma say. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. You may be seated. That is, a, that is a cliche I heard growing up. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. If they finished, they would say, I just couldn't keep it to myself. Our sixth and final T is testimony. We have to be able to steward well our testimony. What? Yes, your testimony is a vital, intricate, important part of your life that you need to make sure that you are managing well. Uh, for those of you who've been with us any length of time, you know uh, I like to watch things. I like movies. I like good TV. And one of the things that I have an affinity for are your crime drama television programs. Everything from the semi-pseudo-reality to the fictional. So cops, First 48, right? All the way to Chicago PD or Law and Order. Those are my type of shows. I like to watch those. And I will never forget this episode a few years ago, or multi-part episode of Chicago PD, where they were trying to catch a serial predator. They were trying to catch this individual. They knew who it was, but they just couldn't seem to catch him, couldn't seem to get the right amount of evidence. And if you know anything about the show, it pushes the lines a little bit. And so they tried everything from wiring to following him to surveillance to entrapment to violence, and they just couldn't seem to get this guy arrested. I mean, they had been to court with him, and he had got off. They'd had him in a police station, and he walked out. And I never forget at the end of probably part two of this episode series, there is a girl where the camera pans standing in the corner as the gentleman is walking out of the station, and this girl is sitting on a bench near a cage in the front door, and she's crying. And one of the officers goes up to her and says, what's wrong? And she says, well, he did it to me too. The show goes off right there. It ends with an awareness that maybe this storyline may not be over. But for me, it goes off, leaving me with a bitter taste in my mouth. Because while I'm watching it, what I understand enough about the legal system is had she spoke up sooner, they probably could have put him away. You quickly understand, had the girl come forward, the criminal would have never gotten away. Had she spoken up, they could have caught him. What am I saying? That her testimony could have changed everything. Here's my question to you. Can I ask you, how many people have you let get away because you wouldn't speak up? And I'm not talking about criminals or predators now, but how many people have missed God's presence because you were unwilling to share your story? How many sinners have missed salvation because we've been quiet about our testimony? We have a responsibility to steward our story. The T in impact is for testimony. There's a sign out there that says, we share our unedited story. We have to do it. And you may say, but why? That's my business. Here's why. You do it because of the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, as well, love your neighbor as yourself. 
The Great Commission says, Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the Great Commandment and the Great Commission because the Great Commandment is about relationship. The Great Commission is about responsibility. I'll say it again. The Great Commandment is about relationship. The Great Commission is about responsibility. The summation of it means this, that if I love him, and I say I love you, then I ought to want you to know how good he is. That's why I have to share my story. It is about witnessing. It is about witnessing. And a witness is simply someone who shares what they have personally seen or heard. It's just that simple. A witness is someone who shares what they have seen or heard. This is why in our American court system, it is called eyewitness testimony. Because you need to have been there. You need to have put your eyes on it. Well, in the kingdom, witnessing for us is sharing the good news about God and Jesus Christ with other people. It is about sharing what we have seen or heard. Hear me. Witnessing isn't necessarily about sharing Scripture. You may not have any verse memorized, but you do have the memorization of the story of God changing your life. And you ought to be able to share not just Scripture that memorized, but the story that materializes because the Scripture was practiced. We weren't there when the Bible was written, but we can share what the Bible has produced. It's your story. You have to witness. You have to share your story. It is what the Word has done in our life. And this is what happens in this text. Jesus is back in a non-Jewish region. This is important. He ain't at home. He's in a non-Jewish region. He's back basically in the same area where the man with the legion of demons is delivered and set free. Same area. He's in this place, in Tyre, in Sidon. He's in this area called the Decapolis, Deca, meaning ten, this area of the ten towns, these ten small cities, okay? And so he meets this man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. He, some would say he's mute, but really he has the inability to process his words well. That's why the text says he has a speech impediment. He cannot talk clearly at all. And here's the truth, because you never speak well when you do not hear well. When you can't listen attentively, you never speak appropriately. And so here he's going to heal this man. Here we go. It is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35. When Jesus shows up with this man, because Jesus, we know, fulfilled all of the law, and so he's fulfilling Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, verse 5 says this, And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. The presentation of his power, though, after he heals this man, is so profound to the people that they can't keep it to themselves. They see, they find out that this deaf and mute individual has been healed, and now they got to tell everybody. Listen, can I suggest to you that we need to fall back in love with that power? 
We need to fall back in love with the power that saved us. We need to fall back in love with that power that healed us or maybe delivered you or set you free. That power that he told the church at Ephesus in John's Revelation, in the book of Revelation, when he's talking to the church at Ephesus, he says, you have forgotten your first love. You have forgotten the fact that you wouldn't be here had I not shown up for you. And we need to be so in love again with Jesus that we can't keep it to ourselves, that we're willing to share our story. And so I want to help you with that today. Four quick things uh, that I want you to understand about how you steward your testimony. Number one, you have to embrace adversity. You've got to embrace it. You've got to embrace adversity because, hear me well, there is no testimony without a test. We cannot speak about an answer if we've never faced adversity. Mark chapter 7 verse 32 says this, a deaf man with a speech impediment, that's adversity, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. The man is deaf and dumb. Okay, this might be uncomfortable, but this man is the epitome of the human condition. His death and dumbness is such an intellectual condition as much as it is a spiritual condition. Okay? It, is, it is as much spiritual and emotional as it is physical because he cannot hear and his tongue is tied. He has been unable to receive a deposit of words and therefore he cannot give any words out. Okay? Uh, one theologian writes it this way. He says that he was perfectly unfit for conversation and deprived both of the pleasure and of the profit of it. He had not the satisfaction, y'all, of either hearing other people talk or being able to tell of his own mind. That's adversity, y'all, that he cannot hear, he cannot speak. This man is struggling so bad that he does not even have the ability to learn how to get better. And then he cannot adequately express how he really feels. If there's any parents in here, you get this when you had really young children, when you had babies, when you had infants, when you had toddlers, and, and they begin to cry and you don't know what's wrong. It becomes painful because they're crying because there's something bothering them, but they have the inability to communicate exactly what is wrong. They're just crying and can't speak, can't understand what's happening. And if we be honest, many of us have been there, or maybe you are there today, that you're just hollering on the inside, hollering at home, just crying out to God because life is whooping you so bad and you don't know what to say. You don't know how to communicate. It is adversity. It is the pain of life that often only Jesus can fix. It is the pain of life that is really, though, the setup for profession. Because, listen, it is our adversity that is a setup about the announcement about what God can do. Okay, it's good to me. Listen, it is your pain that gives you the opportunity to tell God, thank you for taking you out of the pain. If you had never felt it, you wouldn't know what it was to get delivered from it. That's how good God is. 
He wants you to embrace the adversity because there's a story on the other side of it. Okay? So you got to be able to embrace adversity. Secondly, though, when you steward your testimony, you've got to ensure authenticity. This is a big deal for me here. Here we go. Embrace adversity, but you've got to ensure it's authentic. Verse 33, Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Okay, here we go. Our testimony needs to be sincere. It needs to be authentic. Okay, okay. Here's the first thing authenticity says. First thing authenticity says is you need to make sure it's a testimony first. You need to make sure before you talk it's actually a testimony. Because the man could not talk and did not talk until after he was healed. Okay, what am I saying? That too many of us are too talkative during our trauma. We talk too much. That, that, that we need to get healed first. We on social media talking about our pain, running through cities and communities and churches talking about our pain. No, get healed first. If you're going to talk to somebody, find a therapist or a leader or a close confidant, but not everybody. Because you damage your testimony when you share too much too soon. Transparency does not mean I have to tell you all of my business play by play as it's happening. That's not, that's not, that's not transparency. It's got to be authentic. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus takes the man and leads him away from the crowd to heal him. Okay. He takes him away. The crowd begs Jesus to heal him. So he doesn't just say, God bless you. He takes the man away out, away from the crowd. They cannot see what is happening. So that means his miracle happens in private. His miracle happens in private. The explanation happens in public, though. The event in private, the explanation in public. That means he was required now then to be honest about what happened. Nobody else gets their own version of the story. Only this man has his version of his story because testimonies need to be authentic. Let me go here. I got to go deeper than this. You, there is no need, y'all, to upgrade or downgrade your story. Too many of us want to upgrade it or downgrade what we've been through. And this is why. Because we let either persecution or publicity make us change our story. Let's just be honest. You, 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 you downgrade it because you fear persecution. So it wasn't really that bad. I just, well, you know, it was just one time. Or, I mean, it was just emotional. We didn't, well, then I didn't really, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yes, it was. You was out there, bro. You need to be honest. You were addicted. You were strung out. You had the affair. You had the problem. You need to be honest. Or we upgraded because we want the publicity. I was shot nine times. And then they had to bring me back six times on the ventilator. And then my mama walked in and she saw the angels. And then it came, now stop lying. <laughs> You're trying to get publicity. It needs to be authentic because listen, when the, listen, when the accuracy of the events really help somebody in our assignment, Somebody needs to know your real story because they're dealing with your real issues. 
It needs to be authentic. Listen, the Lord has never been fond of liars. God has never been fond of what damaged testimonies can do. I got Bible. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. The church is blowing up. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has rested on these people. They have spoken other languages. 3,000 people have gotten saved. Then they experience more persecution because the Sanhedrin is not feeling this, and they keep growing. God help me. They grow through pain. They grow through persecution. They grow through a pandemic. They keep growing even though they're going through something. And they're growing so much that at the end of Acts chapter 4, the Bible says Barnabas is like, no, I ain't going to let my people go out like this. I'm going to sell a field, take the profit, give the money, and I'm going to make sure everybody can eat. And Ananias and Sapphira in the background like, ooh, they pumping that dude up for that. That looks good. Baby, this is what we're going to do. We got this field over here. We got this rental property. Let's go sell that. And then, you know, we're going to just keep a little bit for ourselves. And then we're going to go take the money over there. And we're going to be like, look, y'all, we did it too. Publicity. And the Bible says that they take it. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. Listen, with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. He takes it, hey, Peter, guys, look, more money, more money. We sold some property too. And Peter goes on to say, bro, for real? Like, you're going to lie on the Holy Spirit like this? You, you really, you're you're going to embellish your story right now? You're, you're going to upgrade this testimony and, and, and really make us think this is what it was really about? And Ananias is like, yeah. Acts chapter 5, verse 5. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Don't die over a damaged testimony. You just need to keep it 100. That's what we say. Because listen, what God did for you was enough. What God rescued you from was enough. Exactly how the events happened was enough. You need to be grateful that you were where you were, but now you're no longer where you were. Okay, so here we go. Our testimonies have to embrace adversity. They have to ensure authenticity. Thirdly, they need to express admiration. They need to express admiration. God, I thank you for your word. Mark chapter 7, verse 37. They were completely amazed and said again and again. Not one time. They said it over and over and over. Everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Listen, when the man is healed and the story gets out, the people are amazed and they say everything he does is incredible. Everything he does is wonderful. Now, this is huge because Jesus is in the Decapolis, Deca, 10, 10 towns, 10 cities. He's in a non-Jewish territory. This is important, y'all, because these are people who didn't grow up waiting on him. These aren't people who have been expecting a Messiah. They have not been looking for Jesus to show up. They've just been living their own lives, doing their own thing, and they're amazed by this man who loves them even though they don't look like him or grew up like him, and yet he still has a fondness for them. These are Gentiles who are enamored with a Jewish healer as well, as well, this is the other part that's key, the people 
brought the man to be healed. I hope you caught that. The Bible says people dragged, took, carried, brought this man to Jesus to be healed. Why is that important? Because the man never asked to get healed. The, the man never, uh, uh, you don't see him running around. Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You don't see a deaf man running up to Jesus, touching him. Uh, uh, he, it says the people brought him. Okay, listen, the people recognized what Jesus could do and got the man to Jesus. Hold on. Let me help somebody in here with this. Let me pause real quick and say, please get you some friends that won't leave you where you are. You need real friends. I'm talking about a real friend that will walk with you through the pain and the problems of life and is unwilling to leave you in your grief or discomfort or pain or problem, but loves you enough to know, no, there's something greater for you than this. There is better for you than this. I'm not going to leave you where you are. You need some friends that know even if you don't request healing, I'm still going to pray for you to get healed. Even when you don't request freedom, I'm still going to make sure you get free. You need those kinds of friends. And listen, when the man gets to Jesus, his, his friends, they get him there. The Bible says, he says, Ephata. It means be open, which is weird because nothing was technically closed. So what are you opening? He's opening the inside of this man. And what happens is he shares the news with the people who helped him about the man who healed him. And they all say, oh, how wonderful he is. This is my point. Your testimony needs to have admiration in it. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Your testimony needs to be grateful. Your testimony needs to be full of thank you. Your testimony needs to be full of appreciation and admiration. Your testimony needs to be grateful, and it needs to be grateful in two ways. It needs to be grateful for the company that carried you and the Christ that saved you. I'm sorry, you didn't do it on your own, sweetheart. You didn't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There was at least a mama or a grandmama praying, you need to be grateful. You need to be grateful that a Christ who had more power than you got on a cross and died for you. You need to be grateful for the company and the Savior. It's got to have admiration, and this is why. Let me bless you with this. This is why uh, I'll I, I say it to you this way. Um, um, my, my, my son... Uh, he came to the house. I'll never forget this. He came to the house, and, and he was thirsty. And he said, hey, are, 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 we're getting ready to go to the store. And he said, hey, if you're going to go to the store, you know how, how I am. Can you get me some juice? Can you make sure um, that I have some juice? And so we kind of chuckled, and we got up, uh, and we walked to the refrigerator, and we pulled out the juice. And him, which I've always loved about my son, is very simple, uh, very appreciative kind of kid. He goes nuts over, orange, over apple juice. Oh, my God. Y'all already had apple juice in the refrigerator for your boy. He gets the juice. He's happy. He drinks out of the bottle because he don't want nobody else to drink it. He's excited. And I looked at my wife and said, boy, this boy is excited over juice. I wonder how he would react if we got him something even better. This boy is so grateful, he almost makes me want to get him something else. I hope you caught it. He was so appreciative, it made me want to do more than what I had already done because admiration 
action is motivation for continuation. When you tell God, thank you, what he hears is do it again. When you tell God, I love it, he hears do it again. Your appreciation moves the heart of God that thank you out of my mouth because something special to his ears. It's not a testimony if all that ever comes out your mouth is how much you invested and how hard you worked and the meeting that you went to and how long you suffered and what you did and how you overcame. No, a testimony is what the people said. Oh, how wonderful he is. Oh, how wonderful he is. Oh, how marvelous he is. Oh, how grateful I am to the God who can do more than I can even imagine. Stewarding our testimony requires us to give credit where credit is due. Okay, let's get out of here. Here we go. Stewarding testimony requires us to embrace adversity. It requires us to ensure authenticity. It requires us to express admiration and finally to engage advancement. Mark 7, 36 says this. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. But the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. I love this part because Jesus heals the man and tells them, all right now, shh. Don't say nothing, no. Huh? Jesus, come on. I, I know I hear, shh, be quiet. Don't, I, no, listen, I know, I know. Wow, don't tell Anybody. Now, come on, Jesus. Come on now. Let's be honest, right? That's like telling a shopper, don't talk about a sale. Are you kidding me? Come, come on now. They talking about Black Friday every Friday. I'm supposed to be quiet about that. I need the world to know. You, you can't tell me to be quiet. That, that, that's like telling a Cowboys fan to be quiet after y'all win one game. Drink my water. I'm sorry. Excuse me. But this is too big of a deal. This is too important. This is too exciting. Why I got to be quiet? Why, Jesus? Here's the issue. He says, listen, I need you to be quiet because this is an issue of purpose and pressure. This is what Jesus understood. He said, the more they talked, the more messianic in nature he would be revealed. And the more that he was revealed as the Messiah, the more of a threat he became to the people. Now, when we say people, we know who we're talking about, right? We're talking about the establishment of the day. We're talking about Herod and Caiaphas and Pilate and this Roman government, and, and they, they're, they're going to feel threatened. And what would happen is it was going to push the timeline of his purpose. This is what I love about my people, my friends in Scripture. They didn't care one bit. They didn't care. They weren't thinking about none of that. I get it, Jesus. Okay, be quiet. That sounds good. But, bro, when you do something like this of this magnitude for me, I can't keep that to myself. I can't stay quiet about that. They were so grateful, so enamored, so engulfed in him, they had to tell it. Here's where it gets special for you. Because in one season, Jesus says, say nothing. In another season, Jesus says, tell everybody. Did y'all catch it? In one season, he does a miracle. He says, be quiet. In the next season, he does a miracle. He says, tell everybody. What do you mean, pastor? In Mark chapter 7, he opens this man up. He's quiet. By Mark 16, he opens himself up. He says, tell everybody. 
In Mark 7, he heals the man, be quiet. In Mark 16, he gets out of the grave. He says, go tell everybody. Because what should be secretive in one season should be shared in another. Jesus was like this. He said, listen, keep it quiet as long as I'm in process. But tell everybody once I fulfill promise. It's the same for us. You keep quiet while it's trauma, but you need to tell everybody when it becomes triumph. You keep quiet when you're hurting, but you tell everybody when you're healed because the more they talked, you know what happened? The more people wanted to see Jesus. Did you catch it? The more they talked, the more people wanted to see Jesus. The more they shared their story, the more people wanted to know Jesus. The more you and I talk, family, the more people can find out about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who saved us. Let me say this, it might be controversial. I hope you hear my heart. God didn't just save you for heaven. You'd have died when you got saved. If that, if that was the case, you'd have, you'd have got saved, you'd have died, and you'd have went on to glory. He left you here because your story of transformation is important that other men and women can get the gospel. We need to tell everybody about who can take a nobody and make them a somebody, and he'll do it for anybody. That's the kind of God we serve. He took a nobody like me and made me into somebody. He can do it for anybody. He can do it for you and you and anybody. If God has been good to you, you got a testimony got to share it. God has been good to you. If he's rescued you and healed you and saved you and delivered you and set you free, picked you up and turned you around, placed your feet on solid, you've got to share it. You've got to be willing to tell, go tell it on the mountain about a God who doesn't leave anybody behind. A God who will leave the 99 and go after the one. He still exists, still reigns supreme. And when he saved you, his power didn't run out. When his blood covered your sins, it didn't run out. There is enough of him for the whole world to receive what he has. And so I would encourage you to live your life to a T. That you would tithe you would take care of your treasure, that you would use your talents, that you would manage your time well, that you would make sure you are taking care of this temple, and that you would share your testimony about a God who gave me a life I didn't deserve, I didn't work for, I didn't earn. But because he loved me enough to give it to me, I'll take care of it. Every head bow, every eye closed. I want to give you the opportunity to steward your life today. And maybe for some of you, whether you're watching me online or you're in this room, maybe your first decision needs to be about surrendering your life to Jesus about surrendering your life to him because it starts with giving yourself back to him of a realization and a recognition that I didn't create me, I didn't pay for me, he did. And you've been struggling with life. Maybe you've been dealing with so much 
Maybe this season uh, of this pandemic and, and economical up and downs and social and racial and political unrest, all of these things, and you realize, man, I'm not in good shape. I've been trying to just live this life on my own. You need a savior. You need someone who came to die, who is greater than COVID, who is greater than anything that we're dealing with, who is greater than your addiction or pain or relational issues. There is a Jesus who said, listen, I came to die for you. And when I died for you, I'm giving you an opportunity to receive me as Father. I'm giving you the opportunity to have an abundant life here on earth and eternity with Jesus forever where there's no pain or sorrow or sickness or suffering. This is your opportunity. This can be the best day of your life. And if you need to make that first-time decision to say, I want to make Jesus my Lord, my Savior, I would encourage you just to raise your hand wherever you are. If you're online, just put a hand-raise emoji. Just put two hands up in the chat. Just hold your hand high. Don't be ashamed. This is your opportunity that if you need, you want to make a decision for Jesus today, I see you. I see you. Just raise your hand. And so listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer together, something we do every week for those who are making a decision because we don't want anybody to pray alone or walk this thing out alone. And so we're going to pray together out loud. A simple prayer, simple as ABC of admitting, believing, and confessing. ABC, a simple prayer. I'm not saying the road will be simple. You're going to have to walk this thing out. But what you're doing is you're partnering with the presence of God. He is overtaking you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will give you strength you would not have on your own. And so listen, with voices raised, whether you're in the chat, whether you're at home, in your car, in this room, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose again. And I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In your name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise today. Let's honor those who made a decision today. And so listen, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today that you would have the fortitude and regardless of what area it is, to steward your life, to be a good manager of the life that God has given you. Maybe, maybe for you, you have been struggling to tithe. You're like, man, that's just, man, during, during, man, like COVID, man, it just changed the economy past. I just don't know if I have enough. You will never have enough to tithe until you do it. Hope you caught that unapologetically. You will never have enough till you do it. It is, a, it is a step of faith. It is an act of obedience that says, God, if you're the person who's providing everything, I got to trust you to do what only you can do. Maybe, maybe it's a treasure issue for you. You, you. you got one car too many and you need to bless somebody. You, you got, you got, you've been worried more about you than you have generational kids. You, you got some treasure you need to deal with. Maybe it's a talent for you. You show up every Sunday, serve nowhere. You don't greet, you don't usher, you can work a camera, you can help with these kids, you can put the flags out, you could be in the community, you could pass out boxes and be serving and pass out blankets and coats. You could be doing something and saying, man, I need to, God's been too good to me. Maybe it's your time. Maybe you got to set some limits on your, your cell phone so you can cut down your screen time so that you can spend more time praying. Maybe it's your temple. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Walk around the block after though. 
enjoy Thanksgiving, walk around the block the next day, something that I need to steward this body. I won't cut my life short because I wouldn't take care of me. And then your testimony, because everybody in here, if you're in here, you got one. You know why? Because you didn't deserve to be here. God didn't have to wake you up, but the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. His grace is fresh every day. That every breath you take was not a breath you earned. It was a breath given to you. And you got a testimony, and you need to share it. So, you know, as I've been having you do, I want you to hold your palms up to receive. But I want you to surrender today. Surrender your life back to the one who created you. Surrender your life back to the one who made you. God, I thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. We're so grateful today for life. We're so grateful today for even breathing, the fact that you still grace us with the breath of life and air. And so, God, we surrender our lives back unto you today. God, somebody is standing here today, and they have struggled with the stewardship of their life. They've struggled to be a tither, to be generous, to sow. God, I'd ask that you would move on their heart and they remind them that you provide seed to the sower, that you provide bread for food, that you would never ask them to give what you haven't already made available for them to give. So allow them to step out on faith, not tomorrow, not next month, but today, and say, today I'll sow into the kingdom. Today I'll trust you. For somebody else, it's treasure that we've been hoarding or storing up or being selfish. And this is the season where God says, no, I need you to give it all away. I need you to trust me with what you have that you store up your treasures in heaven. For somebody else's talent because they feel worthless. Somebody in here today might, might feel worthless as though their past has disqualified them from serving, as though their pain has disqualified them from being used. But remind them that gifts and call come without repentance. Remind them that the same grace that got David up after Bathsheba, the same grace that got Peter up after denying you is the same grace available for them. Help us with our time today that we will not waste the minutes or the hours available, that we will use the time we have to fulfill the purpose that you've given us. God, help us to steward our temple, that we will put down something in this season and pick up your word, that we'll abstain from something so that we can live long enough so that we can hear you say, well done. And then, God, for others, help us to steward our testimony that we will not downgrade it as though we are ashamed of our past. Neither will we upgrade it as though we're in a celebrity culture. But we would tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about a God who picked us up and turned us around. And we'll share that story with so many people who need to know that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And so, God, bless them today. Every marriage, every parent, every home those battling sickness and disease, financial persecution. God, we thank you that today is a day of restoration for them as they surrender their lives to you. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God some praise today. What a great end to our series, Living to a T. If God used today's message or this series to bless you, think of someone you can share the link with. Let's continue reaching our friends and families with the hope of the gospel any way we can. If you decided to follow Jesus or rededicate your life to him today, congratulations. We're excited for you because we know that God has a plan for your life. 
We'd love to congratulate you and send you some special info. Fill out our digital connect card at impactcity.cc slash connect card and check one of the boxes I have decided to. Well, I want to thank you for watching this week's message and remind you to hit the like and subscribe buttons before you click out today. Have a blessed week and a happy Thanksgiving.